Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. All right, the Cracking the Code series, how we started off, which I'm really excited about. Let me just say this. If you are wrestling with the faith, if you are wrestling with questions as we're going through this teaching and as you're experiencing God, some of you will actually probably feel God's presence in a way that you may say, I've never felt this before and I need to like talk about this with someone. There's going to be, can you put that number on the screen, please, for uh, that they can text in? You can text in to this number. It's also on the bulletin that you have. You can text in and at the end, we're going to take one or two questions. Now listen. A, a people who come together and say we worship God and we love and adore him historically throughout scripture, people don't do that without questions. In fact, you'll see Moses asking these wild questions like, why did you let me be born? It was better when I was in my mother's womb. You'll have Job asking questions. you have Jesus on the cross asking questions. Jesus, the son of God, asking questions. You'll have Paul who deliberately got in groups of people and would ask questions about the risen Savior. So what I would say is this, if we're going to follow suit as being part of this Christian tradition, we ask questions. What that does not mean, it doesn't mean that I have all the answers or that whoever's up here helping me doesn't, that we have all the answers. What it does mean is this, we acknowledge we can commit to Christ in the face of uncertainty. We can acknowledge that. We can do that together. And so I want to encourage you uh, throughout the experience to go ahead and do that. Okay, so we're jumping into this series. It's a new year. We're going to talk about what does it mean to have a vision for the church, and I'm actually not going to give away the numbers and what they mean and those sort of things uh, all up front. That's going to be, again, remember this is your New Year's resolution. That's you saying, no, I'll, I'll come every Sunday night until you're done, and then after that I'll make a new resolution until January 1st, 2019, right? Yes, kind of. Until, 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 well, there's no one playing in the Super Bowl that we like, we really care about, so even that night we'll be here. So all this to say, Uh, When we talk about cracking the code and vision and those sort of things, I want to fully acknowledge this. I want to fully acknowledge that you could have come into 2018. It's not just vision for the church, by the way. This is personal. This is over your life and over my life that I would submit to the teaching of Scripture in this area. But I want to talk about, I want to acknowledge some of you have come into 2018 and you've gone, it's been a horrible start. Like it's been the worst. It's like not wearing a seatbelt and you've already hit um, the windshield, okay? Like, it's been really, really difficult. In fact, when we were um, in Fort Myers, we went from Las Vegas not to party, which some of you are like, yeah, we wouldn't judge you if you did. My parents live there, but then in Fort Myers, we flew there on New Year's Day, and um, it's like 5.45 or 6 in the morning, and Piper wakes up, and she's wheezing. She can't, like, she can't breathe. She just wakes up, and she's like, in panic mode, screaming, but can't get the screams out, wheezing. So we're all in a little hotel room. We grab her, take her in the restroom, and she's like spitting, but can't get the words out. And then she starts saying, I can't breathe. She starts saying, I can't, I can't breathe. So we're in a hotel in Fort Myers, and we have no, like, no reference point of where anything is. And, and she's speaking more with her eyes than her mouth. So we just call 911. We're just this, they came to the hospital or to the hotel we put her in and i'm in the back with her she's fine she's doing great that was like a weird episode but let me tell you this 
That was New Year's Day. That was ushering in the new year with the words, I can't breathe, wheezing, gasping for air. And I want to say this kind of in a prophetic sense to all of us. That those of us who started the new year out this way, wheezing, gasping for air, I can't breathe, that your Heavenly Father comes to your aid. And he doesn't, he doesn't just hear you from a distance. So may we live into the new year with that confidence that God is actually there holding us, giving us breath, speaking life into us. So however the new year has started for you, you understand. I'm saying like, let's, let's have confidence in Christ. You follow me? Let's do that into the new year, even if your expression for the new year is, I've had no room to breathe. You have a good father, a better dad than I am to Piper, and he's able to tend to you better than we could to our own daughter. So we're going to pray and then jump right into this. God, I just ask that you would help us to be able to focus, be able to commit, and to be able to love you. Help us to focus on you. So this scripture that's so powerful about what you would call a church to be part of and to do and participate in, um, it is really discomforting because of the way, that the culture that we live in and maybe our lifestyle. So I just pray that, God, that this would usher in your kingdom in our lives in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you're a fan. If you are a fan and you already wrote them, I think that, like, good for you. It's awesome. Here are some New Year's resolutions that I found that I think are more realistic, okay, than most of them. New Year's resolution number 17, become as fat as I was the very first time I ever thought I was fat. If, if you'll get that soon, okay? Oops, I forgot to work out yesterday and today. It looks like my New Year's resolution will have to wait till next year, which is not how resolutions work, but Sarah Beth, go for it. My New Year's resolution is to overcome my OCD. My New Year's resolution is to overcome my OCD. My New Year's resolution is to overcome my OCD. And Matt is still single. Keep going. Just kidding. I don't know, Matt. This year, I've resolved to drink less and go to the gym. I made it to the gym. So part of it, my New Year's resolution is to be more assertive if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> These New Year's resolutions are actually more realistic than like some of the New Year's resolutions that we focus on. So I want to talk about what would it be that God actually sees over our church and over you. So the title of this first week in this series is The Church He Sees. I want to talk about that. And, and I want to start by saying this. The, these resolutions that are more realistic and honest, if I stood up here and I said, okay, I'm going to go that direction. My New Year's resolution, okay, and you go, I don't make resolutions. I understand, and this is probably why, it's because your Twitter feed would look something like this. But if I said my New Year's resolution is to finish binge-watching Breaking Bad by the end of January, okay, and you're, if that, I know that shows old for some of you, but that's new for the others, for, for some. If I said that, you'd go, what is wrong with, that's not a resolution. Like, that's not who you want to be. Or if I stood up here and I said, my New Year's resolution is to eat more cake in February on my birthday than I should eat. Because it, it happens every year. I just know. Like, this is what I do every year at my birthdays. I eat a lot of cake because I don't eat a lot of cake throughout the year. That's how I justify it, okay? If I said that, or if I said my New Year's resolution is that the night before Valentine's Day, 
I will call every restaurant in Denver trying to make a reservation because I forgot to do it the week or month before. Okay? If I said that, you'd go, it's realistic. Like, he, he's going to, he's probably going to do that, right? <laughs> probably. But the problem is, resolutions look forward and say, this is who you want to be. And so when I say those things, or you see these on Twitter and you go, is that who they want to be? No, that's why those seem so ridiculous, is that's who we don't want to be, but that's who we keep on being. But for me, like in, um, in high school, or yeah, in high school, I remember making a resolution one January. My parents came to me and they said, listen, so in, in high school, my grades were not good, okay? This say it's a miracle that I really like school as much as I do now because I hated it every chance that I got, which was every minute of every day. And so in high school, my parents came to me one new year and they said, hey, if you can make straight A's on a report card, we'll give you $500. Which like 500 bucks to you right now is a lot of money. To a high schooler who's trying to impress women, you know what you can do with $500? The clothes you can buy and the movies you can go to. And then, like, then it's not real, right? Then it's just fake and whatever. But, like, with 500 bucks, you can do a lot. That was my resolution at a time. Never accomplished it. <laughs> never. I never came close to those $500. And then I tried to gauge, like, hey, well, if I made straight C's and a D, don't you think that a portion of that 500, like, my parents don't go for that, okay? But I never did the 500. And I remember when we first got married, Lisa and I, we're like, we get married, we have our first job, and we go, let's get really fit. Like, let, let's, let's get really So we both ordered these workout. I ordered P90X. And I knew that P90X had a return policy. If you return within three days, you get your full money back, all your money back, right? Guaranteed. So on day three, exhausted and sore, I used my muscles to put it back in the mailbox and get all my money back, okay? So I set a resolution of who I wanted to be, but what it feels like is sometimes when I do that, out of the motivation of my own heart, God's power is not in that. Like scriptures, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Or whatever else goes on your throw pillows at home. Those scriptures, those don't actually... I don't know about you, but those don't actually do anything to me when I'm making up the resolution myself. So I end up binge watching, eating cake, and being late on Valentine's resolution, or Valentine's reservations. And imagine if as a church, let's just imagine for a second, if we said as a church, however we do that in unison, don't do this because I don't, I don't like what I'm about to say, but let's just say if we said as a church, our New Year's resolution is to care more about the Sunday night worship experience than we do about what we do outside of these walls. Let's just say we said that and, and like all of us should have this feeling of that's not who we want to be. Our budget shouldn't reflect that. Our actions shouldn't reflect that. But if we're not careful, they will. They will. Or if we were to say, we want more clicks and less people knowing Jesus because of it in 2018. Like, nobody wants to be that. We're actually talking about what probably would happen if we're not intentional. And so then we ask this question. So what kind of resolutions do we set? Where do we find the power for resolutions? What does this mean for our church? And it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. All this tension. 
And here's what I would tell you. If you found in your own life this gap between who you want to be and where you're at, that gap will always exist if the voices speaking to who you want to be are social media, other people, anything other than God. When God speaks, his power comes forth with what he's speaking. So his power is infused to the thing he's speaking to. But where God is silent, there's not a whole lot of power in operation. And so when we make up resolutions out of our hearts, where Christ said is the sinfulness of man, we make up resolutions out of this best intention resolution, and we go, I keep falling short. And we're creating a vision for ourselves without God speaking into that vision well, then, like, we shouldn't be surprised when God's power is not at work in that thing. You follow me? And so we'll end up having these funny tweets where we go from being disappointed to frustrated to sarcastic to humorous. And then we just go, this is just, I participate in the resolution thing. And the whole time we're figuring out, how, how do I do this? How does the church do this? So what I'm saying is this. If I stood up here, and I were to say, okay, which by the way, I've had quite a few people that have come to me and they say, what is your vision for the church? Okay, I understand what they're getting at, but I want to tell you, um, if I stand up here and I say my vision for Discover Church in the Highlands is blah, 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 and it comes forth out of Preston's heart, you should go to another church. You should not, that's like, that's bad. That means I think I'm the head of the church and I'm producing the vision with my own thoughts and my own actions. That's really bad. Okay. However, what scripture does tell us is that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is it, not me. Like, don't look to me to be the one to produce for this body a vision. Christ is the head of the church. I am just trying to be the lead follower. That's all I'm trying to do that I could say, follow me as I follow Christ, right? I've told you before, my goal is to be in, in rooms where I am the dumbest person in the room. I'm always wanting to know, can, like, how can I grow in this moment? How can I grow in this moment? And, uh, and so I, I want to tell you this, that if I were to come forth and say, here's the vision for the church, it's the same as if you were to say, here's my vision for my life, and you're excluding God from the whole thing. He's just not present in that whole thing. So a text that a lot of people go to is in Proverbs when they talk about vision, which let me just tell you this. If you're going to search the scriptures and you're going to talk about, where does it talk about casting vision? You're going you're gonna to come up wanting. Like it's really hard to find casting vision in the Bible, okay? But one of the scriptures that a lot of people quote is where it's out of Proverbs and it says, where there is no vision, people perish. And so they go, well, clearly there's got to be a vision cast for your life. You've got to cast a vision for, for the church. There's got to be a vision cast. But what the next verse talks about is that we tie ourselves to the teaching and the laws of God, which would tell us, even the word for vision tells us, that word is talking about what God has already said over an existing situation. It's God's word that's compelling and propelling them into something new. You follow me? It is God's word that's giving the direction. And so many times in our lives, the reason we joke about New Year's resolutions is because like we've lived through enough January 1, ones, January 1st, we've lived through enough New Year's to be able to say, 
I know what it's like to set a resolution. And so this is probably how things are going to turn out. Is you'll probably stop working out. You'll probably start eating this way. You'll probably not not to say those are bad resolutions, but what I want to say is when you think of the vision of your life for the future, God must be involved and his word must be involved in that vision. So when we look at scripture, is this the pattern we see? Do we see people and groups of people in churches coming up with their own vision for their life? Is that what we see? Or do we see them receiving from God's word and then just doing what they know to do. Is that what we see? So you go like to Abraham, right? There's a, there's a passage in Genesis where Abraham's in this tent. And, and if you know the story of Abraham, look, Abraham couldn't have kids. Like he was, he was late in life having kids, okay? So Abraham's in this tent. And let me just tell you how bizarre it would be if Abraham walked out of the tent, looked at the stars, and goes out of some weird, I don't know, lasagna he ate the night before. It's like messing with his brain. And he looks up at the stars and he goes, I'm going to be the father of many nations and there will be more of my heirs than there are stars in the sky. But he's bizarre. It'd be super weird if he created that in himself. But what happened, says says God's word, God spoke and called him out of the tent and told him those things. So what we see there is that God's speaking, God's word is calling them into a vision, okay? Into a vision for the future. It's what God's already said that he's moving towards, not something he's making up, okay? You follow me? It's what God already said that he's moving towards, not what someone is making up. And so you'll see this all throughout scripture. We even see this in the New Testament with Paul. Paul was a guy named Saul. He was persecuting the Christians. Now, I don't know, in fact, it caused a lot of strife for Paul that in what world Saul, before he would, was Paul, would say, I will be persecuted and I will suffer and I will come to the brink of death many times over again in order to proclaim the glory of Christ in my suffering. I don't know in what world that would happen unless God spoke to him on the road to Damascus. He speaks to him. And from his word, then he speaks to another individual and says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God's word that's already spoken was calling him into the future that he was supposed to live in. But it wasn't something he was making up. And we can go on and on and on of different Bible characters that it's God's spoken word that creates the action of what to move towards, not man's creativity, right? So in 2017, when I'm going, God, what, like, what's the vision of the church? What's the vision of the church? What's the vision of the church? What I realize is this, the way God's worked, where his power is, is what he's spoken in to existence. So when he speaks, his power's in that thing. So what has God already said about the church? What has God already said about the church that if I were to stand up here and go, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Which, by the way, I do have, and sitting in my garage for no reason, is a fog machine. Okay, so uh, whenever we first planted a church, we had this trailer that we bought that had lights and all stuff, and it had two fog machines in it. The person who sold it to me goes, you got fog machines now. And I go, I don't know what I'm going to do with fog machines, but let's just imagine. If I put fog machines on the side of the stage and fog's going, and I go, all right, guys, here's the vision of 2018. And you're like... This is 
not at all what 2017 was like. And you should make your way out. Don't even fill out a card. Like, just go down the stairs, grab a free shirt on your way, burn it, and then go out the door, okay? If I were to stay up here and I go, hey, this is what we're going to do, and I just gave you this, like, vision that I thought, and I'm going, and all this, but it's outside of what God has already said in his word, that we're not even moving towards what he already said in his word. His power will be out of it. He won't be in it. You'll look to me for strength. I'll get exhausted and quit and everything fall apart. Right? You'll get exhausted and quit because what God has already said is where his power is at work. It's not in manufacturing and producing what man wants to see come to pass. It must be what he's already spoken. Okay? So the strange thing about resolutions throughout scripture is they're based on what God already said not what man is trying to do. And out of that, I want us to read the scripture. Okay, let's go back to Luke chapter 14. When one of those who reclined that table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And now here, here comes Christ with a parable that he's just turning everything upside down. Um, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many people and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. So you understand what's happening. Jesus is telling this parable that there's this great banquet that's happening. Like there's a place where you can experience the presence of God. There's a place where you can come and see that the Lord is good. And this banquet is taking place. And he's saying, Go, which the Jews would know that these characters, these three busy bodies, were representing the Jews. And he's saying, go to them and say, come to the banquet. Okay, there's an invitation to, the, to experience with God his presence and what it is to dine with God. And then someone says, I bought a field, right? I bought a field. Here's what, and another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Which, like, I don't know who he married, but she has too much control if she's able to say, don't go to the banquet with the Lord. Don't go to the banquet with the Lord. So what we find is there's everything from business to profit to relationship. All these reasons why people are saying, um, I'm not quite, like, I'm just not going to come to the presence of God. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. He's saying like there's more room at the table. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. That go out into the streets and compel, compel them to come into the presence of the master. Compel them. There's too many empty seats. So, so here's what you need to know about when you would eat back then. Ancient Near Eastern feasts wouldn't start until all uh, the guests were at the table. 
Like they didn't, I don't know how your Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner was, that if you're like, if dad doesn't get here in five minutes, we're just going to start without him, right? And you, so you call. Well, for us, it was my little brother. So we call and we're like, hey, where are you at? I'll be there in five. If you're not here in five minutes, we will eat without you, okay? This is just kind of how we do things. And I don't know how you do things at your house or with your friends. Whenever you invite someone, that what we typically do is we order appetizers because I get hangry, okay? Which is a real thing, by the way. So as I'm waiting for you, if we're going to sit down and have a meal together and I order appetizers, I'm not being rude. I'm doing the opposite. I'm making sure I'm not going to be rude by eating before you get there. I don't know how you operate around the table, but back then they didn't start until everyone was there, which is really impactful. It's really impactful for us that the tendency of the church is to be inward focused. But I want you to look around at all the empty chairs. Look at the empty chairs. And as we say, I felt the presence of God. God spoke to me. I have friends that are like family now, are part of groups, serving. If we're not careful, we will forget to say to God with conviction, but there's still room at the table. Like there's still seats. We experience your presence, but there's still seats. Like there's still people that need to come. There's still people who aren't here. There's still people in the highways and on the hedges. There's the poor and the needy and and those who are privileged. There's still people who need to come and experience the banquet. And what God would say is, yes, go get them. Be outward focused. Be compelling in the way that you live. That if we as a church try to come up with something but we avoid this. And by the way, this is not just one parable. This is the life of Christ. And the church is supposed to be the physical representation, the physical body of Christ on earth right now. And we see Christ doing this all the time, bringing people into the kingdom, into the kingdom, into the kingdom, so much so that like the religious people are going, what are you doing? You're bringing so many people towards you and they're like gross and sinners and crippled and you're touching the leper and he's going yes that's the kingdom like that's the way the kingdom ushers itself in so if you go that's just one parable no that's the life of christ and if the church came up with some vision um, outside of the life of christ we should just close our doors (laughs) because it's not the church we're doing something else so this entire series this entire series is revolving around how do we, in the next 10 years, compel people to join God's presence? How do we, in the next 10 years, because this is what we find out all throughout Scripture, is that God will always, that God's plan takes precedence over your plan for your own life. So God's plan for your life takes precedence over your own plan. So where you found frustration in your own plans, the question would be, is God in it? Have you looked to the revealed word of God and said, this is what he already said, and I move towards that? Or are you just trying to manufacture things in the future, which you you may come close to, but they're not at all going to be satisfying to your heart. They're not at all going to be able to accomplish that. And the church has to operate the same way. 
the church has to look and say, what did he already say? Because historically, what he says is where his power is, and that's what launches us into the future. And so we would go, what, is, what ways can we compel people to not just fill this place, but go out and start more churches out of Discover Church? In what ways can we do that? In what ways can we compel each other to make disciples? Like you heard this little voiceover before, Christians get so busy doing other things like Bible studies and prep for sermon and all stuff, going to church, which are really good things. But um, if we avoid making disciples, we miss the entire deal. Like seeing people walk with Jesus is the thing. That is what the kingdom's about. What ways can we compel people to do that? What ways can we compel our neighborhood to know we're here to serve you and every church we plan out of here is here to serve that neighborhood? In what ways can we do this? And 720 will start to mean something totally different that I think we'll start to see it as the kingdom coming, not just an area code, not just an area code. And if, you, if you're sitting here and you go, I have a 303 area code, what are you going to do with 303? Uh, I'll tell you this. 303, last time I checked with Verizon, is not available. They, they've said it's all taken, and 720 is actually the new area code for all those coming into Denver. So we're talking about from this point forward, if you have a 303, you are among the elite, okay? I envy you, but from this point forward, what if you saw that area code as ushering in God's kingdom? What you have to do is look at what is the revealed word said, and let's move towards that. So I say to you, yeah, there's a vision. It's not just for 2018. It's like for 10 years and beyond. But it comes straight out of the scriptures. Revolves around church planning, making disciples, and impacting the neighborhood. And if you want to know the vision of the church, Discover Church is part of the large C church. We're part of the church. And we follow Christ from what he's already said because we know his power is there. And in your life, your life what has God already said about you and is that transforming you because I don't want you to get so busy right now that you start to say I'm coming up with all these things but you're missing what God's already said about you you missed you're missing he says blessed are the poor in spirit so when you're poor in spirit you can know the kingdom of God is near you and when you're broken, that you can know that he's already said something about that and that God's presence is there with the broken. That if you miss what God's already said and his power at work in you, you're going to be exhausted. 2018 is going to be really hard. 2019 is going to be tough. Your relationships will burn out. But if you go back and you say, what has God said about me, about my calling, about my church? What has God said? And I'm just going to move towards those things. Now, that, that doesn't mean if you're here and you're going, yeah, but I, I do want to get more fit. Okay, that doesn't mean, look, health is in the scriptures, okay? So that doesn't mean that you're like, so how many times, Lord, do I go to the gym? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about first and foremost, first and foremost, are your resolutions, is the vision you have for yourself and for this church coming out of scripture? Because every time we look at characters in the Bible, when they move towards something that seems impossible and amazing and we call them heroes of the faith, it's because God had spoken and his power is already in that. Thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. Can God give someone a specific vision like he gave them in scripture? 
or can we only get our vision from what has already been said in Scripture? Yeah, I would say that God does do that. So from what I see, it is not outside of Scripture. So if I were to say, God gave me a vision to go have a new wife, you, sh you should go, now she would, you should too, say, that's outside of Scripture. That doesn't work within the realm of Scripture. It doesn't work within God and how what he's already said. But that he would say, I'm calling you forward. And what you'll find is this, almost all these sorts of callings in your life. I'm calling you forward, maybe into a nonprofit. I'm calling you forward to be a missionary. I'm calling you forward in this. You'll actually see that has so much to do with justice and mission, has so much to do with the kingdom of God, that it's actually directly tied to what he's already said. So it's going to be hard for you to find something outside of Scripture um, that's not around what he's asked you to do. One more question. Is it significant that in Scripture, the poor and the blind and lame were the afterthoughts rather than the invited guests? Aren't we called to think of them first, um, first of those who have been thought of us? Yeah, we always think of those different than us last. And what we see throughout Scripture is that Jesus is calling us to the marginalized. He's calling us to fill the banquet table with those who are far from him and who have experienced, who have not experienced the love of God, which is why the poor and lame, we, we actually will, will see the blind, that when Jesus heals the blind, it is, it is a signal of the kingdom that he brings forth spiritual healing to those who are spiritually blind. When Jesus heals the lame, it is a signal from the kingdom, a signpost on the way to the kingdom that he makes those walk. Uh, who were spiritually lame. So we see this, and uh, Jesus uses these terms intentionally. So we should be seeing seats filling up with people who didn't know Jesus. So that would mean physically blind, or physically poor, physically blind, physically, yes, spiritually as well. We should see, we should see baptisms happening with people who didn't know Jesus and are coming to Christ. That's what I'd say for that. It's very significant, and they tend to be the ones that we look past. Lord, May we move towards what you said. May you follow through as we see your power at work. So God, I pray for us that we would, we would first look to what have you said over our lives, for our lives. As a church, we'd be bold in the way that we go back in order to go forward. And that is the way of the Lord, to look back at your word in order to move forward in the kingdom. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.